welcome to the Love Your Life Project, a gentle guide to living a wholehearted, meaningful life. In these trying times, listen to stories, poems, musings, mystical wisdom to inspire you, bringing a little more light to your day. I'm Anuramana. Hello again, friends. You know, lately I've been pondering this idea of memory. You know, what we remember, what the mind and heart remembers, what it catalogues, what it discards. And this is certainly not going to be a scientific exploration of how memory works, but more of a a heart-centered investigation of those particular memories that those special ones that endure that are stitched into our cells almost that can be felt palpably still even if they happened decades ago those memories seem to retain their magic they become treasures we can gather in our heart little jewels that we can conjure and feel the same aliveness as in the original moment. And so I'm sure you have memories that you hold close to your heart. I remember there was a Japanese film, I believe, where the premise was that you could take just one memory with you when you died And that particular memory would replay over and over. So, of course, you had to consider very carefully (laughs) which one you might choose. I suppose if it's a happy one and you conveniently forget that you've already lived it multiple times and it appears as fresh as the first time, maybe that's fine. I don't know if I'm making that piece up or not. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. But I do know that the idea was to just carry with you one memory into the afterlife. So that's something really worth pondering through all of the billion experiences you've had in your life so far. If you could just gather up one and fold it into your heart to cross the threshold with you and stay with you so you could draw it up and revisit it any time you fancied, what memory would you choose? So, as I said, I've been just puzzled with the reasons why particular memories remain and others just float off into the ethers And they aren't all happy memories. You know, lately there have been kind of a, almost like the shifting screen of a movie appearing in my consciousness, in my awareness, various memories from my past, particularly my early childhood in Ireland. You know, you hear often people who are on the 
on the verge or on the cusp of dying start to have a kind of reliving of their past. So I'm not sure about my mortality or how much longer I have in a body. <laughs> but anyway, for whatever reason, those memories have been kind of flashing through. And that got me thinking about what ones really, really matter to me, what ones I hold close in my heart. And so I'd like to share a few of them with you today. So if I were to go back to my childhood growing up in Ireland, there are two really happy memories. One in particular, which I'll share first. I had a best friend called Karen. We are still really close friends today. And she lived around the corner from me on the next street down. And I happened to be at her house one day when I was young and I think we were probably playing or maybe doing homework together, though that would be a surprise. <laughs> and her father came into the room and said, we're going to the sea. We're just going on a drive to the sea. And so Mr. Morn bundled up all the kids into their little Volkswagen bug. It was a Volkswagen Beetle car, and I remember it well. It was an orange car, and I even remember the license plate, 2609Z. <laughs> anyway, Karen came from a big family like myself, in fact, even bigger. And all the kids were piled into the car, and Mr. and Mrs. Morn up front. And I was out at the gate and waving them off. And they took off down the road. And when they got to the end of the road, I was still waving. And all of a sudden, the car turned around and started to head back in my direction. And Mr. Morn pulled up right in front of me. And I, I said, have you forgotten something? And he said, yes, you. And I was just absolutely overjoyed they managed to squeeze me into the very back of the bug. There's a little kind of shelf at the back and I got to curl up on that and off we went to, I think it was Port Rand Strand. <laughs> and that was really my absolute happiest memory from childhood. You know, we didn't have a car. Actually, we used to have a car. My family, my father sold insurance and as he traveled around selling insurance, he had a company car, but it was taken away at a certain point because he spent a lot of time in churches. He was extremely religious and industrial strength, Catholic. And so we didn't have the car for very long. So to have this treat of going to the sea on a day, a school day, when I wasn't expecting it was, um, was just heaven to me and of course as you can tell I've never forgotten it so thank you Mr. Morn and the other memory was with my mother you know she was very busy because she had so many children and we didn't have a lot of time together and I do remember one time she came to meet me from school when I was about five, I would say. 
I lived about a quarter of a mile up the hill from school and she came to meet me and it was kind of a rainy day and we were walking up Creammore. I think it might have been Creammore Drive and there was this wooden fence and all of a sudden the sun came out which happens a lot in Ireland. It's like the Irish personality. I think it's very changeable and can change very quickly. So even though there were clouds and rain, the sun burst through as it often did. And we both, our eyes both landed on this spider's web on the fence. And of course, with it, the sunlight on it, it was just gleaming in these rainbow colors and we were both in awe and I remember my mother who was always hurrying she had so much to do sometimes she would kind of drag me along behind her she stopped she stopped and she looked she bent over and looked at the spider web and we both were in awe of its beauty and even 20 30 40 50 years later we would still hearken back to that particular time because it was both of ours happiest memory together. So every time I see a, a spider's web sparkling in the sun, I always think of you, Mum. And you know, there are also tender memories that stay ones that are etched into the heart. And one that happened recently was when my beloved friend, Pema, such a dear, close friend, she was from Ireland as well. And the two of us here in the mountains in Northern California had this common history and shared sense of humor and Oh, we could laugh. Oh, we could put away the vino. <laughs> and we could also share the depths of our, our heart's journeys together, all of our vulnerabilities. And we kind of championed each other, you know, on this path that I've been on, that I've talked about a lot, this spiritual path. It's all about meeting and embracing our particular histories are traumas and bringing love to them and letting them melt away and in that process there can be a lot of instances of being triggered by others people will replay our parents or brothers or sisters and it can be difficult those kind of relationships can be really difficult even though they're helping you to evolve and grow but with Pema, there was no such difficulty. We never set each other off. We just met in the joy and the love. I remember before she got sick, many years ago, when we would see each other, we'd, we'd see each other coming towards each other and we would both fling our arms out and skip towards each other like children in great joy. It was just a light in my heart when I would see her and I really feel she felt the same and Pema had cancer of the breast which spread to her bones and 
she really ended up living much, much longer than anyone ever anticipated, which was grace for us. I think we weren't ready to let her go. But this past October, she really started to decline and it looked like this would be getting close to her end and in fact it was. She passed on the eve of her birthday right before Halloween on October 30th and she was surrounded by her beautiful daughters and dear friends. But before that, a few days, maybe two days before, her daughters invited me to come and just sit with Pema. She wasn't fully conscious. In fact, she had already started her journey towards leaving that precious body. She was already on her way. And I came and held her hand and listened to her, her breathing. And I had given her many hand and foot massages and I knew that hand so well. The ridge on the top of the hand, the softness and the beauty of each long finger. But I just held it and felt her. And I felt inspired to read her something because her daughter's were certain that she could hear even though she couldn't speak. And so what I chose to read to her was an excerpt from a book called The Course in Miracles, of which she was a big fan. She had the book herself and I've never seen a book so loved and so lived in. And she lived it. It was all about forgiveness. It was all about love and light. And so a long time ago, maybe a couple of years, maybe more, Pema sent me an excerpt and she said, this particular excerpt reminded her of me. And I was so touched by that, that I printed it out and had it on my fridge for really right up until then. And so I felt I wanted to give it back to her read to her this same piece that she had seen reflected that I felt was just a reflection of her own beauty. So I'll just read you a short piece from this. There is a light in you which cannot die. There is a light in you which cannot die whose holy presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. All things that live bring gifts to you and offer them in gratitude and gladness at your feet. The scent of flowers is their gift to you. The waves bow down before you and the trees extend their arms to shield you from the heat and lay their leaves before you on the ground that you may walk in softness while the wind sinks to a whisper around your holy head. There is a light in you 
that cannot die, whose presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. All things that live bring gifts to you and offer them in gratitude and gladness at your feet. The scent of flowers is their gift to you. The waves bow down before you and the trees extend their arms to shield you from the heat and lay their leaves before you on the ground that you may walk in softness while the wind sinks to a whisper around your holy head. So beautiful. So beautiful. And as I shared already this is an excerpt from a longer piece she had sent me and so as I kept reading Pema just made a few kind of extraordinary noises like grunts it was like it felt that she was feeling she was hearing every word and taking it in really drinking it in and letting me know and the others in the room that she was present with us. So that was truly a memory that I will keep in my heart forever. And so I think one more memory that stays in my awareness in my heart, I should say, is probably a year after the accident that I had when I was still really broken open. I ended up in Mexico at the invitation of the man who would become my spiritual teacher. And there was a retreat happening there. And after a year of living in Ireland in my brother's bedroom as I was recovering and, you know, seeing posters of Arnold Schwarzenegger on the wall and lots of gadgets around the room, there was nothing soft or feminine about it. When I got to Mexico and the beautiful bougainvillea in the courtyard of the house where we were staying, the flowers and the shining sea, I burst into tears at the beauty of it. It was like my soul was hungry, starving for beauty. And so one evening um, during our session called satsang, they're kind of meditation sessions with my teacher, a group of us were sitting around and one man was speaking and The words that came out of his mouth, I remember, were, praise God, praise God. And those two words just cracked my heart open. I burst into tears. I was just sobbing and weeping. And I could feel for the first time all the way through that what my purpose was in this life was to praise God was to praise this amazing existence, this life, the magic of it, the beauty of it, to praise what had given us this life, this breath, 
this opportunity. And that opening of the heart continued for the whole time I was in Mexico. I would go out into the desert and sometimes fall onto my hands and knees. I would leave little treasures in tree trunks, like earrings or jewelry. I would stroke the donkeys I met along the way. I was just in love. I was in love with love. It was one of the most amazingly beautiful, expansive states. And a day or so later, I remember I wasn't able to eat or drink. I was just in this, lost in this beauty. And I remember lying at the, on the floor during one of our sessions because my body was still broken. It was hard to sit for long or stand for long. And I was looking at a picture of Ramana Maharshi, the Indian sage, on the altar. I had no idea who he was, not even his name at that point. But I was just pondering his photo. He looked kind and gentle. And all of a sudden, he quite literally airlifted into my heart. It just was like one of those Cupid's arrows right into the heart. And I was besotted. I was in love. And so my great love affair with love, of which Ramana is an embodiment, began there. Of course, that was my honeymoon. And a lot of work happened when I came back to America. Lots of work of shedding and healing. But in that period in Mexico, it was pure magic absolute beauty and love. And that certainly remains as a pivotal moment in my life, a transformative time. So I wonder for you what memories are etched in your being, in your cells, what ones remain in your heart, you know, they can run the range of joyful, ecstatic to tender and poignant because this world of duality definitely includes the extremities of life. And there is love and beauty to be found in the difficult times as well. So maybe as you're slipping into sleep tonight or waking in the morning, still in bed. You could just cast your gaze back and see what arises for you, what still feels alive, what is part of your heart, not just your heart's history, but your heart here now. Because those memories that really, really endure they are as alive now as when they first happened. So I'd like to leave you today with this poem that was written about that time, that magical time in Mexico. And it's called Hymn to the Beloved. 
Stars hover like kisses over our house. A cow lows in the distance, his bell tinkling the night air. A praying mantis flew into my face this evening before prayer. His green and tender body, my skin's blessing. Oh Lord, I could build a shrine to you every day in my heart. I could fill it with moon and sun, with the lemon butterflies that milk our path to the sea, with spume of wave on rock, tall cactus mad with bloom. I could fill it with pebbles and sand from my shoe, with the dart of lizard and peak of jackrabbit's ears. I could add the languorous sway of ferns in our courtyard, the breeze ruffled curtains in my room. I could take the luminous rain-freshened desert and set that there too. Add the fan of vulture and hawk wings, the glorious palmful of spider as he traces a love pact on the wall. Oh God, I could fill each left space with kisses and a horse's call, with the slow swank of donkey in a clearing. I could conjure a brimming altar of dawn sky, each mountain's sinuous fall and rise, a dozen setting moons, and still it would not begin to praise. Let me at least spend my days trying. Let me fail you a thousand ways. Let me breathe one more, Lord, of your ravishing days. And I will tell lovers and children and the bird at twilight of your deepest secrets. So thank you so much for being with me today. I'm sending you so much love. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with others. And if you'd like to hear more, you can find me on my website, anaramana.com. And also on there is a link to become a member of my Patreon family, where for a donation, I offer additional gifts and bonuses, like guided meditations and private Zoom calls. Much love to you. Till next time.